Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, welcome to FN Sports, the podcast for two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. As we move into the holiday season, Mr. Ainsworth, happy holidays to you, your new bride. Uh, can we start with a quick holiday-related question, Mr. Ainsworth? Best Christmas <laughs> sure. present you've ever received. I, I got a Sega Genesis when I was in sixth grade, and I was the first kid in my neighborhood to get one. And I felt like Ralphie when he got his uh, shotgun in A Christmas Story. So <laughs> that, like, that's the best one I ever got. What's the best one you ever received? In a very similar vein, I'm thinking it was the Nintendo 64. Um, I would have been eight or nine years old the n64 that we got the green one that had like came with a donkey kong cartridge i can like vividly remember coming downstairs and finding that under the tree um, <laughs> so I, i'll go with that one for sure i think you know what's funny is that if you still had that it's probably worth some money like you could put it on ebay so if you could find it in your parents <laughs> attic somewhere that's <laughs> something to consider um let's go ahead and jump in with our gold stars and detentions uh my first gold star is gonna go to gonzaga men's basketball now, I know that many of you 
aren't in college basketball mode quite yet, but I live in Lexington, Kentucky. We're always in college basketball mode. If you have not been watching Gonzaga, we did our thesis statement a couple of weeks back about this being Gonzaga's year, possibly, and everything looks like this is going to be Gonzaga's year. Gonzaga has played four games so far, and one of those games that was canceled was against Baylor. They actually were supposed to have them on their schedule, but the four games that they played, they played Kansas, who's a top five team, West Virginia, who was ranked eight at the time, and they played Iowa yesterday. We record on a Sunday, so they played them on Saturday. Gonzaga is undefeated. They beat Kansas by 10. They beat Iowa by 11. They beat West Virginia. And then their other win is a blowout over Auburn. That game wasn't close. So they are 4-0. They still have Virginia on their schedule. Uh, so their, their non-conference is going to look impressive. And then they're going to get into the conference. And it's not that... You know, San Francisco or St. Mary's, they got BYU as well, who just finished beating San Diego State, who was ranked yesterday. Uh, it's not that those teams can't challenge Gonzaga because the conference teams, they kind of know them, but Gonzaga looks like the deal. Gold star to Mark Few and his guys. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your first gold star, sir? Speaking about a guy that looks like the guy, I'm going to give my first gold star to Chad Ochocinco uh, for <laughs> running a very funny and an entertaining, probably phony, but entertaining nonetheless, uh, presidential <laughs> campaign on Twitter. For those of you that don't remember Chad Ochocinco from the Gold Jackets and the Bingle days, he currently resides in Miami and looks like like he's living his best life, but he has put out quite a few different political ideas as far as like running for president, <laughs> all because someone t- tweeted out, "What if Ocho Cinco ran for president?" And so he's had some really, really funny tweets, but like not horribly uninformed, right? Like he, <laughs> he includes things like. He'd lose in an election because he would have slashed the military budget and given money to the American people <laughs> and stuff like that. Anyway, like, those are not completely unthought out ideas. So anyway, shout out to Ocho Cinco, Ocho Cinco 24. I love that you have him running in 2024 and you're already <laughs> back again. Ocho Cinco 24. Um, my next gold star, speaking of football, my next gold star goes to uh, a true gold jacket guy in Deion Sanders, who accepted the head coaching job for the football program at Jackson State in Mississippi. Jackson State is a historically black college, HBCU. Wednesday was National Signing Day. They won National Signing Day in terms of having the highest ranked class for any HBCU. And Dion was able to get kids to transfer in. He got his son to commit. His son is a quarterback in Texas. Mr. Ainsworth's probably seen some film on him. I don't know if you guys played <laughs> Trinity Christian, but Shador Sanders signed. He's the highest rated recruit in HBCU football. His son Shiloh's also transferring from South Carolina to Jackson State. But here's the deal. Deion Sanders actually flipped Dejon Warren, who I think objectively folks believe is the best cornerback coming in. He's a junior college guy, but he flipped him from Georgia. He was committed to Georgia or people thought he was going to go to Georgia and Deion flipped him. Now he's going to Jackson State. So shout out to Deion Sanders. Coach Prime getting it done. <laughs> well, and as sketchy as people might want to make that seem if you're a top ranked corner why wouldn't you want to go play for Deion <laughs> Sanders right? like some very very good guy to learn from so speaking of people that can learn from father figures my next gold star is going to go to Charlie Woods Tiger Woods' son who is apparently a good golfer this is not just a name a namesake <laughs> they played a father-son type tournament this weekend I guess it's still wrapping up, so like I don't know as we're recording this, I don't know how the finish is. But he does like sink eagles, and as a little eleven year old, <laughs> is very competitive as a golfer. And so shout out to Charlie Woods. Obviously, it's not the same as watching his father when he was five on morning talk shows, but it is fun to see the family torch get passed. It kind of is like that though. Like when you see Charlie move, he moves like pop. 
Like everything he right, does, yeah. everything is like pop. Yeah, the uh, he sinks or he hits a an approach shot and basically puts it ten feet from the hole and then sinks the eagle putt. It's crazy. Like he's he's got it right. My detentions. First detention, very personal one for me. University of Kentucky men's basketball program. <laughs> so unlike Gonzaga, who continues to beat top competition, the University of Kentucky hasn't beaten anyone except Moorhead State. So the University of Kentucky, we are now officially one and five. Mr. Ainsworth. The University of Kentucky hasn't been 1-5 to start a season in basketball in almost 100 years. It's been almost a century. <laughs> so we lost again last night to North Carolina. It was part of another Champions Classic deal. COVID in terms of the schedule, man. We were supposed to go to Atlanta to go play UCLA, but we didn't want to ride a bus to Atlanta so we took a plane up to Cleveland. So instead of playing UCLA, we ended up playing North Carolina. It doesn't matter. I think either team had abundant capability of beating Kentucky based on how they're playing. So I don't know what this season is going to end up being. There's a lot of talent on the team. The talent has not come together. They have no point guard. I, I have no idea what this team's going to end up being. As a fan, alum, donor, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth, how about your first attention, sir? My first attention goes to Texas A&M. Defensive coordinator Mike Elko. Now the A&M, the Texas A&M Aggies are feeling like they got left out of the college football playoff as we sit here in the early afternoon on Sunday because they just got told that they came in fifth in a four-team race. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. <laughs> right? No, I don't want to give the whole game away, but what I will say is there are a lot of Aggies very upset on Twitter that don't understand how they can have one loss to Alabama and not be in the top four. The defensive coordinator, being upset about this, decided to tweet out that he may. Never watch an ESPN analyst talk again for the rest of his life. Which is an interesting thing because ESPN does not pick the Final Four. But the other thing (laughs) I'll say is that it's interesting because as a defensive coordinator, he had a much more direct hand in what happened to A&M this season than many other Aggies watching, including giving up 52 points to the Alabama offense that he is fighting to get to play again. I think he's mostly upset, though, and the reason that like this is funny and a detention is that he was just on the Notre Dame staff in 2017 as a defense coordinator. So, like, of course he's upset because he got nudged out by his old gig. <laughs> um, so, maybe it's not ESPN that's the problem. Maybe it's giving up 52 points to Alabama. Especially, anyway, detention to Coach Mike Elko on Twitter. You could give up 52 if you score 46. Just ask Florida. Florida, I mean, almost won that game. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, my next detention, my final detention, it's going to go to Carson Wentz. And friends, I don't have a problem with Carson Wentz, even though I'm a Giants fan, and I should, just because he's an Eagles quarterback. But the deal with Carson Wentz is, apparently it's now coming out that he's upset about how the Philadelphia Eagles have managed their quarterback situation. And it's like, Carson... Take a step back, sir. Your team sucks when you play. (laughs) So the team had to look and say, this is an abundantly winnable division. What gives us the best chance to win? And they decided it wasn't you because it's not you. You throw the ball up, man. You turn the ball over. You take chances that you don't need to take. And the reality is the team committed to you by getting rid of Nick Nick Foles and keeping you and paying you a ton of money. And now you're rewarding them by not playing well. And when Jalen Hurts comes in and is successful, instead of just allowing it to be about Jalen Hurts, now you want to interject this piece to make it a little bit about you. Man, you can do that in the offseason. Don't be the distraction guy now, right? Whatever happens... With you and the Eagles is whatever happens. Let that be in the offseason. Don't come and potentially ruin what could end up being a good story if Jalen Hurts is able to kind of lead this team 
to a playoff push, which is abundantly possible because as we have talked about, the NFC East is trash. So it's abundantly possible. Oh, and that, uh, it really bugs me because, I mean, I was on this podcast nearly a year ago. We were talking end of college football season NFL draft as a very high on Jalen Hurts guy. Like, no, he's out here playing were. well. And like, man, like, Carson, you're not playing well. Like, <laughs> it was, you were so losing, you lost it. This wasn't like 50-50. You lost the job. Like, no, absolutely. Oh, What's your final detention, Mr. Ainsworth? To another pretty crappy situation at quarterback, I'm going to give a detention to Lamar Jackson for lying very blatantly in the media following their big-time win over Cleveland last Monday night because he very clearly had to go to the restroom in the middle <laughs> of the fourth quarter. And if if you don't believe me, if you think it was just cramps, you must not have ever run to the bathroom last minute like <laughs> Lamar Jackson very clearly did because at the intermission that he's out of the game, I guess it's not really, the game didn't pause, which is part of the problem. He is not running or walking alongside a trainer on the way back to the locker room. He is not limping of any kind. He is waddling to try and not go to the bathroom on his way back to the, back to the locker room. And when he runs into someone coming out of the door, the reaction he has is not like a, yo man, I gotta get to the trainer. It's like Yo, get out of my way! (laughs) Very clearly, very clearly, one thing he's doing, and I don't know why he's lying about this. This is a very normal thing. What's the children's book? Everybody poops. Everybody poops. Like, what's the big deal? (laughs) Listen, the best part about that story is that Lamar Jackson came right back and wiped out the Browns. And (laughs) and. Uh, we got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to talk all college football. So we're going to talk college football playoff. We're going to talk Heisman. And then we're going to get into a, I anticipate a heated discussion about whether or not it's okay for the college football playoffs to accept two teams from the same conference. So without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, our first thesis statement. For the podcast, chock full of college football, friends. The College Football (laughs) Selection Committee picked the right teams for the 2020 playoff. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How do you grade that thesis statement? I'm going to give it a... What's funny is I want to say a 75 because that's (laughs) three-fourths. But I want to give it like a... I'll give it a B-minus because I guess... I'll give it a B-minus. So I think I want to be in that similar range. I think I'm going to go B plus. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go B plus with this particular thesis statement. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, we both were in the B range with the college football playoff selection committee and the teams that they picked for the playoffs. Now, the thesis statement read, the college football selection committee picked the right teams for the 2020 college football playoff. Talk to me about the things that you believe are good and maybe some of the issues that you saw. Well, I think everyone that watched football last month has the first two, right? One and two being Alabama and Clemson. <laughs> I think that, I, like, so that's half of it that's like inarguable, I think, so far, right? I don't think anyone's going to pick any fights with those two. I honestly... And I've been on this boat since the beginning of the year. I feel awkward penalizing Ohio State in the Big Ten for like being the like cautious wait and see. Let's make sure this is safe and so on. And so I honestly didn't even have that big a problem like some people had with Ohio State at six and zero. And I feel like the Big you were 10. looking directly at me when you said some people. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is, is I was hearing uh, reporters on ESPN during the selection show at eleven here in Texas at eleven a.m. and they were talking about like, well, football coaches look at this differently and da-da, and they know the grind of playing in the games and I was like I you know I'm not a college football coach but I coach some football and I I completely <laughs> understand why it was like not okay to punish a school for in conference for trying to be safe and be you know be reasonable just because they looked at it differently right I mean it's not like those schools 
weren't having their like the kids weren't working out, weren't practicing, weren't grinding. It was just a different grind. Uh, anyway, so I didn't have a big issue with Ohio State at three. My issues came in at four, and it's hard to put in a team that just lost a big game. Like you know, they just lost a big blowout game the day before, and so I look at it and I. We've talked before about like early on the season, we're like, is this the year that the small school gets in? And we're looking at the time it was BYU or, or whomever, right? Or, well, I, we've I, always the, talked about Cincinnati. We've never shorted Cincinnati. We've always no, talked I, about them. Well, I was getting to them, but I was saying like slowly those teams have chipped away, right? Like the BYUs, the SMUs, those all fallen away. But like you're saying, Cincinnati has held strong this whole time and has a really, really stout defense. And they won their conference. They went 9-0. and and, and I really thought that if, if there was ever going to be a year for a lot of different reasons, it'd be this year. And so I think that it was you know a shame that Cincinnati didn't even make the top six, right? I thought it was interesting that Oklahoma as a two-loss Big 12 champ made it in because that implies to me that they valued at least the current committee, and we get into who's on it, the current committee valued how you're looking recently because while Oklahoma was one and two to start the season, they played really good football the last month. Uh, obviously, with a young quarterback in Rattler, they, he must have really grown, done some growing up. Well, the defense is what really turned it around, right? The defense has been right. playing lights out the last month and a half. Well, and and for reference, like that one and two start included a loss to Iowa State, and then they beat Iowa State in the Big Twelve title game. So, like obviously, they did they did get better. Like it's it's you know, visibly got better. Um, and so anyway, I, I look at that and think that that's an interesting move by the committee. Cause if you're going on recency bias, how do you not include the day before his game with Notre Dame? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I think that I would argue other teams get in there. I don't actually think that I argue A&M should get in there. Like some people are obviously in my detentions. I laughed at the a and coordinator a little bit, but Shaka, <laughs> you also didn't like give this an A. It wasn't a home run to you either. No, I mean, for me, there are several th- considerations. So the college football playoff and you're supposed to get the four best teams so i look at cincinnati i genuinely believe that cincinnati can beat ohio state on a neutral field i genuinely believe that based on ohio state's defense the inconsistencies that they have now what ohio state showed me yesterday was if you got a dude in the backfield who you can hand the ball off to and he'll get you 300 yards Man, you should have been doing that a lot more because that that piece feels new. The offense basically went through Justin Fields, and when he rides high, the offense looks great. When he struggles a bit, man, the offense really stagnates. And what happened yesterday was he struggled a bit, but they found someone else. So I'm a big Cincinnati believer. I like their defense. I like the style of play. They won their conference championship beating a ranked Tulsa team. And people can say whatever they want to about Tulsa because you don't watch football. But if you watch Tulsa, you know that Tulsa can play. Cincinnati winning that game is impressive. I think that the University of Florida woke up this morning feeling sick to their stomach that they lost to LSU. Because if you don't have that LSU loss on your resume, you went in and you went toe-to-toe with Bama. Now, you if you watch that game, it only always felt like Bama was comfortable, but there were plenty of moments where Florida made them uncomfortable. And you could have maybe looked at Florida, comparing them directly to Notre Dame, and maybe shook out and say Florida's, I don't know. But Florida's going to feel sick that they lost the LSU game. Because once you have three right. losses, you have to be out, right? Well, I, I, let me say this. I do believe that Florida beats Ohio State on a neutral field as well. So that's that's my thought. Well, and we can we can go back and forth on Ohio State some if you want. I think that it's hard to knock a team that wins every game they play, which is also why I think Cincinnati should get a shot. I think the interesting thing about Florida's loss to LSU is that may, in hindsight now, have hurt a A&M as much as it hurt Florida. Oh, absolutely. It because absolutely killed A&M. It made A&M's big win, air quotes, a- 
be a win over a three-loss team, not a two-loss team. And that's a real. They only beat two teams with winning records. They beat Florida and, and they beat Auburn. And that's an interesting difference, right? Because if Florida had only lost A&M and Alabama, it'd be like, well, clearly A&M has a better argument. And they still finish at fifth. And I'm not sure that it means that I would put, after watching a handful of A&M games this year, that I think that they're a team that should be in. But they would have a much stronger argument had Florida not dropped that LSU game. I mean, the LSU... And here's the thing, guys. LSU actually finished the season 5-5. Five and five. So, like, we made fun of LSU. They actually didn't have a losing record this year. Now, right. you don't want... LSU, 5-5 five and five is not accepted. And you don't want your defending national champion to be a 500 be five team. And five. Right? But in COVID 2020, for them to turn it around and win a few games here toward the end of the season, you know, shout-out to Coach O. You know, and can I give a few more shout-outs? Because we'll get into some other pieces as well. Shout-out to... San Jose State. Shout out to Coastal Carolina. These teams, all, all they did was won every game that they played. That's all they did. And Coastal knocked out BYU, which you know how I feel about BYU. Those teams deserve more credit that they're going to get. Uh, San Jose State yesterday beat Boise State in the conference championship game for the uh, for the Mountain West. So you know, shout out to them because all they did was won every game on their schedule. You know what I mean? And well, there's and something to be said for that. I go to I go to a handful of places for college football information because I have a very like Texas centric view in a lot of ways. And I got to expand that. <laughs> right. One of them being texting Shaka. So listen to what Shaka says. But the other guy I go to is Roger Sherman. Writes the Ringer, and he's funny most of the time. It's mostly jokes, which is like how I like <laughs> to approach sports. But Sherman points out that you know this was after the teams got announced. Oklahoma lost to two teams that also lost lost to Sunbelt teams and was ranked sixth. We have no idea <laughs> where the undefeated Sunbelt 11-0 champion Coastal Carolina is going to be ranked. So, like, there is a not-so-crazy, like, if you beat them, beat them, so on, that, like, no one wants to do, but you could have easily put Coastal Carolina ahead of Oklahoma as well, sitting here at 11-0, winning the Sunbelt. Like, that's not crazy math or, like, this, like, long tangential thing. Like, it's a very direct series of dominoes. Coastal Carolina need to be in the conversation, too, and we hadn't talked about them nearly as much since they beat our BYU, uh, you know, we both were big on BYU. (laughs) We are morning Mormons. That's what we are. So this is a great segue into a question I wanted to ask you, Mr. Ainsworth. We had the podcast already where we said, you know, maybe this is the year. 2020 is the year to maybe look at 18. Has anything happened that shifted you off of that perspective? Like based on what you just said there, right? You have Oklahoma who lost to two teams that lost the Sunbelt Conference teams and the undefeated Sunbelt champ isn't a top 10 team right now. You have Cincinnati, who I think the committee respects in some aspects. I I don't think that they wanted to put them in, so they did everything possible to make sure that Cincinnati wouldn't be able to get in. And listen, you had the series of dominoes that fell on Saturday. If you had Cincinnati high enough, they might have been able to get in, right? You know, I think you're going to get to, do I think there should be eight teams in? But I I also want to interject that I don't know if the committee came out and put Cincinnati in, who would have legitimately argued against it? Like, outside of, like, Notre Dame arguing for themselves, like, everyone would have understood what happened, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, and I do think that there's the argument that comes from these power five teams of well cincinnati plays in the american which you can say whatever you want that conference isn't bad there's good football being played in the american and if you're going to play in that conference what you want to do is blow teams out and cincinnati i believe averaged margin of victory was three touchdowns so they're doing what they're supposed to do but let me say this mr ainsworth or let me ask this anything shifting you off of that perspective wouldn't this have been a good year for eight teams absolutely absolutely i'd honestly argue that eight teams ought to be the way it goes anyway shock but
But absolutely, if you put in, even if you went with the five conference champions, and like people want to talk about how the Big 12 and Pac-12 were not good enough, but that's fine. They'll get blown out and rolled over in the first round. So call it your bye. And you'd have one through five of those, and then six, seven, eight would be at-large teams. So you could get the, you know, Notre Dame that didn't win the conference, but hops in. You could get the Cincinnati and the Coastal Carolina, or one of the two, or however, because they both went undefeated, right? You could get those teams in. I'd imagine you'd probably only get Cincinnati, and you'd get AM in as well as the eighth, but that's probably semantics because they both lose to Clemson and Alabama in the end anyway. But it, it all f- would shake out differently, and especially in a year where conferences didn't play against one another because there was no extensive non-conference. You didn't have an SEC team meeting up with a Big 12 team in Jerry World to start the season off. Like You, don't have, you didn't have those kinds of things this year to compare across conferences. And so I definitely think that this would have been the year. You know, this also leads me into another sentiment and this will probably lead into our predictions for the playoffs this also could have been a year where you could have just said you know what we're just going back to the old model of two teams like maybe it makes sense to not play more games than necessary just because of covid but also it feels like alabama and clemson have separated themselves now i understand that ohio state is undefeated and i don't think anyone on a neutral field believes Ohio State beats Clemson or Alabama. So it feels like maybe those two teams have separated themselves. So just let them play. Like, we're just going through the formalities. But it feels like it's been setting up all year now that Trevor Lawrence is healthy. He's overcome having COVID. He's back. Let's just let the two best teams play. Well, and that's another, you know, not to keep re- reiterating Roger Sherman tweets, but he's really funny. He tweeted out, uh, Notre Dame has a real shot of winning national championship if they move the title game to South Bend and Trevor Lawrence gets COVID for the second time. In three <laughs> <months>. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, yeah, that the difference is, is that those two teams look to be head and shoulders above everything else. And yesterday when we were texting coming up with ideas for today's podcast shaka i shot the idea to you that like okay if you need the tv revenue from three games are we not better off as fans just getting the best out of three with these suits like just spread them out <laughs> that way like because the truth is it seems like everyone else is playing for third those two teams are in a very different league and that game is something i'm already looking forward to and it isn't even officially happening yet right it's like just a potential right now like I, I would i would enjoy watching a best of three series they play every saturday for three weeks and let's just see what happens no i mean with that sentiment let's go ahead and do our predictions so now we know that the number one seed is going to be bama the number two seed is clemson we know that the three seeds ohio state we know the four seed is notre dame so we got bama versus notre dame on one side of the bracket we have clemson ohio state on the other side of the bracket I'm going to pick Bama and Clemson. I Again, I'm not as high on Ohio State. I understand that they won their conference. I don't believe that the Big Ten is a great conference this year. And Ohio State secondary, this is the game where it's going to get exposed and it's going to get them destroyed. Their secondary isn't good enough to win a national championship. And now you have to go in and defend Trevor Lawrence and Clemson's offense. I think that they're going to struggle. I see... Clemson winning that game by three touchdowns. Bama versus Notre Dame, I think, could be interesting for maybe a half or so just because Brian Kelly, I respect him that much as a coach. But he's going up against the GOAT in Nick Saban. And Nick Saban has the superior talented team. We saw what Clemson was able to do when they had all their talent there. I think that eventually Alabama will be able to do the same thing. 
I would pick Alabama by three touchdowns as well. Um, let's say Alabama 35, Notre Dame 14, and let's say Clemson 42, Ohio State 20. So you, and then you got them two in the championship game. I would also pick Alabama and Clemson. I don't know that I'd have either game being very close. I will say Brian Kelly on the same televised show where they were picking the, the final four, he was pointing out how much he and his staff learned when they lost to Alabama in the 2012 national championship game about like what it means to really be in practice physical like the level it takes to to play against a Nick Saban type of team so he may have learned something but at the end of the day you are who you are and you've got who you've got so I would probably pick them by three touchdowns as well it looks like the opening line is 17 and a half so I'd take I'd take them 21 points easily so I'd go what 42 21 and then on the other side with Clemson Ohio State there's some revenge factor I think in Ohio State after last year's playoffs and so they may be to get a little rah-rah going uh you could also have clemson maybe looking past this because everyone else is also putting clemson versus alabama so there's (laughs) trap game stuff there so i might say that one stays under 21 points i may take that one at more like 17 and so what does that mean if i want to go 42 17 means you can go 35 17 right or 34 17 or something like that that's your sure we'll go god we're history teachers guys don't kill us on this math stuff yeah, that's not my that's not my jam. But I'll, so I'll, I'll take them <laughs> by seventeen, and then in the in the final, Clemson Alabama again. It's a fun game. I maintain it'd be fun to watch them play a best of three series of sports, even if it took a month to happen. Uh, but I I actually think I might stick with Clemson in that one. You know, I I know this is a never ending saga between Saban and Dabo. <laughs> But I, I tend to think that in those kinds of matchups, having the guy taking the snap is important. I think Trevor Lawrence is that guy. I think it's just like when we saw Deshaun Watson be that guy a few years back against Alabama, right? Alabama had a tremendous team. Clemson had Deshaun Watson and Dabo. Alabama, again, has a tremendous team, but Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and Dabo. Trevor Lawrence has done this once before, right? Remember watching Trevor Lawrence win as a freshman? I, I tend to think of, I, I'm going to side with that. Even though I would argue they almost didn't even get in, I, I I'm going to go with Clemson, I think. So I am thinking that Clemson, as you've mentioned, they got the best player and the best player is playing quarterback. So he can disproportionately impact the game. He's a vet. He knows what it takes to win. Oh, by the way, they still have Travis Etienne in the backfield. So let's not forget that. That's a dude who's also won big. Dabo Sweeney, Brett Venables. These guys know what it takes. Now, Alabama is immensely talented. And we can't forget that Saban and his guys know what it takes to win as well. Now, what they don't have is the same level of championship experience because when those teams were winning at Alabama, none of the big names that we're talking about now impacted the outcome, right? So Najee Harris might have been on the team, but he wasn't right. the dude. Devontae Smith might have been on the team, but he wasn't the dude. Mac Jones might have been on the team, but he wasn't the dude. And so the question becomes, can those guys step up? I think that based on what I saw yesterday with Florida and Kyle Trask and what they were able to do to Alabama, I'm I'm feel like I'm leaning Clemson, but I think that that game is going to be a pretty close game. And I do think that Alabama defensively can do some things that can stifle Clemson. Uh, that being said, I see that game maybe being like 35-28, something like that. Trevor Lawrence has the ball last and Clemson pulling it out. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But 
you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're a listener to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, Mr. Cummings, sticking on the college gridiron, now we're looking at an individual award to wrap up the season. This week, Dabo Sweeney acted like the Heisman Trophy needed Trevor Lawrence more than Trevor Lawrence (laughs) needed it. And so the thesis reads that Dabo Sweeney is right in saying that the Heisman Trophy would miss out by not attaching their name to Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'm thinking, God, I want to fail it. And (laughs) Trevor Lawrence is a good enough player that maybe I'll go D minus. How about that? I'm sitting at a C myself. I I guess we can break it down in a second, but I see positives and negatives to how he said what he said. All right, Mr. Clemmings, you almost flunked this, like almost really flunked this, and ended up giving it a D. So talk us through your thought process. Yeah, um, this is going to be the segment where we talk Heisman Trophy a little bit. And here's my deal with exactly what Dabble said. When Dabble says that the Heisman will be missing out by not attaching its name to Trevor Lawrence, there are lots of great players who haven't won the Heisman. And the reality is, is that there are lots of great players who have played lots of different positions that haven't won the Heisman, right? Offensive linemen are great players. Defensive linemen are great players linebackers are great players and there have been lots of great players in the secondary who haven't gotten the opportunity right only one guy who played some defense won that Heisman right and so we can go back to Charles Woodson and if he didn't play special teams he might not (laughs) even want it right Right. and so to say that you're gonna be missing out by not attaching your name man okay it feels like that's a reach and the reality is if we go back to Heisman's and the one that Woodson won oh by the way the Heisman never attached the name to Peyton Manning Peyton Manning never won a Heisman trophy right So there have been great players at the collegiate level who even played the Heisman positions of running back, quarterback, wide receiver that haven't won the award. So it feels like a real overstatement. Now, that being said, Trevor Lawrence is a great player. So I don't want to dig too much at this as if I'm negative on Trevor Lawrence. The deal for me is there have been great players who haven't won it. The Heisman is still a great award. There have been great players who have won it and gotten it taken away, (laughs) right? And the Heisman (laughs) is still a great award. Uh, This is my Texas fan on the other end who knows Vince Young should have really won that Heisman and not Reggie Bush right the reality is is that this these things happen so feels like a a reach mr ainsworth that's why i almost failed it (laughs) but you went a little more moderate talk to me about that well so i also would sit here and point out like as great as some of the players like the cam newtons of the world you know that have lamar jackson kyler murray guys that have won this award there have also been guys that saw this as the peak of their career in johnny menzel or you know sam bradford tim tebow troy smith (laughs) like i'm just going backward jason white like they're just going backwards to the order of list of people who've won it's like very obvious like yes this is the pinnacle for some people and i don't want watch trevor lawrence and think this is the pinnacle for him so i don't i don't know that he needs the heisman to be validated and moving forward in his career i will say though it's interesting that this guy has been consistently great his entire collegiate career 
and hasn't won it yet. When, when there are guys that, you know, win it for having one good year where he's had a handful of really, really good years, right? And so it, at this point, it would almost be like a lifetime achievement award feeling Heisman Trophy situation. The thing I look at him, though, and it's, I think of it as a quarterback running back award. And I understand that, you know, I play offensive line. I get why it's not fair to like only do this <laughs> two positions as much as anyone. However, just the reality of the situation is when I look at the award, they're not going to hand it to Panay Sewell a year ago. They're not going to hand it to Manti Teo a few years back. They're not going to hand it to those guys. And I, you know, for better or for worse, that's just the way it goes. Chase Young got invited to New York, but he didn't get one the Heisman, right? And oh, so even Orlando Pace once upon a time got invited to New York, right? He was clearly the best player in college football. Didn't win the award. Well, and it, I think it just means that that's not what the award is. It's not the best player in college football. It is the, like, it's like most outstanding or most entertaining or whatever. And that's going to disproportionately be quarterbacks and running back. I think that the wording is the biggest reason that it pulls it down to a C though, right? Is because that like the Heisman needs him somehow as if they'd be bad if it went to Mac Jones or you know, <laughs> Justin Field. Like they, they'd be just as beneficial in a lot of ways. It, it, certainly as much so as some of these other names that we talked about. And I think that again, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, unless he doesn't want to play in New York, is going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, right? Like, he <laughs> doesn't stop saying that. God, we, we, we got to get away from that. <laughs> he has to play for the Jets. Incidentally, another one of our podcasts that we've done previously, <laughs> go back and listen to the catalog. And so I, you know, maybe it's because I also think that there's some, so if they give it to Mac Jones, right, there is only that much more fuel of the fire now for Trevor Lawrence to come out and smack Alabama. And then like, <laughs> like that, because I've seen it happen with Vince Young 15 years ago at this point, right? Like these guys do take that personally. And so if they want to hand it to Mac Jones and Alabama for going undefeated, I'd argue that Trevor Lawrence did not lose a game as a starter this year either. Clemson did, but he did not. And so that's worth pointing out to me. You know, we can go into stats and numbers and this and the other, but it tends to not matter what the stats and numbers are. They always go with some like narrative story. Well, the stats, I think, do matter this year, and we definitely will get into those. But it's so funny. As you were talking, I was thinking, man, I got to get on Photoshop and create the meme. You know, just pull the Michael Jordan clip, put Trevor Lawrence's face on it and talk about it. And I took that personally. You know what I mean? Like the meme <laughs> writes itself. <laughs> Friends, as we get into our Heisman predictions, shout out to a few people who I don't think are going to make it to New York, okay? Shout out to Ian Book, because all he did was have Notre Dame undefeated, had them in the ACC title game, and has them going into the college football playoff. Dual threat, has threw for over 2,000 yards, ran for darn near 500 yards. He's been incredible this season. Shout out to everyone's favorite Mormon, Zach Wilson, BYU, <laughs> threw for over 3,200 yards this year, really had BYU on the precipice. If BYU could go and win that game at Coastal Carolina, man, it would have been interesting the way things shook out to see where BYU might have ended up. Shout out to Justin Fields as well. Like, I want to knock Justin Fields, but in part, it's comparing Justin Fields to what I know Justin Fields could be based on what he did last year. He was so incredible in his previous season at Ohio State. You look at this year, you're like, man, it's not the same. Well, he still has Ohio State in the playoff, undefeated, Big Ten champion. We He's the ultimate in terms of dual threat. He's an incredible quarterback as well. Shout out to Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the running back for Alabama. He's the third leading rusher in college football he ran for 1262 yards he's got double digit touchdowns and he is the hammer man when Alabama gets in trouble they turn around they hand it to 22 right he's a great player I don't think he's going to get invited to New York that being said shout out to Najee Harris and as I shout out Najee Harris I want to shout out Jarrett Patterson as well we've talked about Jarrett Patterson on this podcast he's the running back out of the University of Buffalo now Buffalo ended up getting upset in the MAC championship they lost the ball state I believe the final score was 38-28 Jarrett Patterson uh, got dinged in that game, and so he was in and out 
and didn't have his best performance. But that being said, I need you guys to know this, okay? Jarrett Patterson was the ninth leading rusher in college football. The reason why that's important is because the other guys who are ahead of him, these guys all played 10, 11 games. Jared Patterson played six. He went over a thousand yards. He's incredible. Now, we won't talk about Buffalo Ton. I think that he deserves a lot of respect, so just shout out to him. And then there's the interesting guy. So the guys who I think are for sure going to get the invite to New York. I think for sure Trevor Lawrence, for sure Mac Jones, for sure Kyle Trask, and we could talk about them. But the guy who's interesting, I'm not sure if he's going to get the invite or not, is Devontae Smith. So now, Mr. Ainsworth, I know that you love you some Devontae. Now, do you think that he's going to get the invite to New York as one of the Heisman finalists? So I would like to think that, you know, you just pointed out that Mac Jones, he'll probably get invited. I think that Kyle Trask, based on numbers, video game type numbers alone, gets invited. Justin Fields, quarterback at Ohio State, gets invited. Trevor Lawrence, we talked about to start this thesis, gets invited. I wonder, you know, Ian Book is a Notre Dame quarterback that gets them in the top four. Does he get invited? And all of a sudden, you're running out of spots for Devontae Smith. And do you take he or Mac Jones, and do you, or do you have two-fifths of your potential spots taken up with an Alabama duo? I don't know how <laughs> that shakes out, right? Um, and so I think I would favor Devontae Smith because when I've watched Alabama play on my eye test, I haven't done a lot of like full 22 film breakdowns and everything like that. <laughs> That's real coach will... speak right there, the all 22. <laughs> well, but like there are plenty of people in this industry that do. I just don't have access to, to do that. But I would look at it and say when I watch them, a lot of what they do hinges on or appears to hinge on, every time Devontae Smith is not at least double covered, he gets the ball. <laughs> and so if I watch them play, that means to me that Mac Jones is getting easier coverage on the opposite of the field or oppo receivers or whatever because of what they're doing to Devontae. He's got this great release valve in Devontae. They've got the great running game that you've mentioned in Ida Smith. So I think that I would give the edge to Devontae because as I watch them, he's involved or he is more representative of their success as great as Mac Jones' numbers as a quarterback are. I also want to point out one guy that you didn't mention, and I, I think you always got to at least look at the guy that gets the most rushing yards in, in the NCAA, and that's Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He did get 1,400 yards this year playing 11 games. That's a lot of yards per game if you're doing the math at home. And Iowa State almost won the Big 12. That's worth pointing out. He, he can't can't contain the fact that his defense couldn't keep Oklahoma under 21 points, right? Uh, that's not really his fault. I He's had a great year. He'll also end up being a good pro, I'm sure. He, he doesn't get invited to New York. I'm almost positive, but it's worth pointing out that he did lead college football in rushing this year even if it's because he did play 11 games no absolutely shout out shout out iowa state had a good season right now let me say this i disagree with you i don't think justin fields is getting invited to new york i i think that it's trevor lawrence mac jones kyle trask for sure now the argument for Devonte smith is Devonte smith led all of college football in receptions <laughs> in receiving yards and then he was second in touchdowns so if when you look at that season it feels like that dude has to get invited on the number one team the only reason why I question is because we know Mac Jones is going to go. But that being said, I'm starting to lean toward Devontae Smith getting that invite. And we know that all of this is based on percentage of votes and those sorts of things. So we'll see how it ends up shaking out. But it feels like in the South, right, you're probably going to put Devontae Smith on your ballot. The, just, the question becomes, like, does that ballot end up being too full? Because the other guys are from the South too, right? Like Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, yeah. Kyle Trask, it's all the same region. But I'm, I think that I'm leaning toward.
for Devontae Smith ending up getting that New York invite. But I don't think he's going to win. I really do think that it comes down to the three quarterbacks. So I'm curious, Mr. Ainsworth, do you agree? And who do you think is going to end up winning the Heisman Trophy now that everything is played out? Well, I, again, I think I've said in a couple different ways that I would send Devontae Smith ahead of Mac Jones. I think it's also worth pointing out that he didn't just get the most receiving yards. He got it by over 300 yards. Like, like he got it by more than one really good game, like, like more than one all-time <laughs> historic game, right, between him and number two. And so I would put him in there, and I might not send Mac Jones if I had to pick between the two. Like, if on my bat, if I only had space for an Alabama guy as a Southerner, I'd probably pick and send Smith over Jones. I wonder if, you know, with them splitting the Alabama success and who gets responsible for it or whatever, I wonder if that favors Trevor Lawrence. I think it, you know, we talked about how much that LSU loss for Florida hurt A&M. It also probably dings Kyle Trask because he otherwise did have video game type numbers. And if they had only had losses at A&M and to a tough Alabama team, that could have been a much different argument than if they didn't have that, you know, now they have the LSU loss as well. And so I sit here and look at it. I think Fields gets, you know, whether it's because regionally he's the Midwest guy or whatever, I think he gets to go to New York and I would hand it to Trevor Lawrence as well, which is interesting because I opened up the thesis thinking that or grading that they the Heisman doesn't need or you know the Heisman doesn't need Trevor Lawrence and this that back and forth I do think he ends up winning it though so while I can I think Dabo's quote is kind of odd and weird and may not be the argument I do think Trevor walks away with the award I think that when it comes down to the Heisman trophy you got to find the Heisman moments right and you you mentioned like Kyle Trask and that LSU loss might end up hurting him now in that game Kyle Trask threw for over 300 yards threw for played a couple great. of touchdowns he yeah, he, played great. he he wasn't the re- the defense was the reason they lost that game right and he actually played incredible against alabama yesterday in that sec championship game over 400 yards another three touchdowns the issue is that the heisman moment in my mind is trevor lawrence coming back and clemson smacking notre dame Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, in our college football heavy podcast, our final segment is, I believe, a disagreement that we have. It's like fundamental to our core. The (laughs) thesis statement reads, as long as there are only four teams or less, the college football playoffs should never have two teams from one conference. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth, and I think I know how you're going to grade it. (laughs) <laughs> but let everyone else know how you're going to grade. <laughs> I'm going to come in at an A minus. Uh, you know, I think you're probably saying, how is it not an A plus 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 after those arguments we've had? I'm going to sit at an A minus. There are bits I understand, but there's just things I fundamentally disagree with, like you said. I know you're going to be a very different grade. You think that it's A. Well, again, I know you want me to say F. I'm probably going to go D minus again. Um, just because of some of the parameters that are in place, but we are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Okay, friends, happy holidays. Mr. Ainsworth and I are about to yell at each other. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Ainsworth and I look at multiple teams from the same conference in the college football playoff in completely different ways. The thesis statement reads, as long as there are only four teams or less, the college football playoff should never have two teams from one conference. You gave that an A-. minus. Go ahead and tell the people why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I sit here and think that the four teams or less is such a key part of it. I would have no problem if three teams made it if there were eight, right? Like, I, I, that's it's really the four teams or less is, I think, the big piece for me. I mean, it's because there are five power conferences and there is the group of five conferences. And I look at it as, like, at w- some point, you're whittling it down from 119 teams in Division One football to four. And at some point, it's like, well, you weren't good enough to win your conference. You're going to sit here and go, what was it, 2018? Well, Alabama, da, da, da. And I can sit here 
going to look at that 2018 the 2018 season and also look at Ohio State and USC that year. You know, Wisconsin sitting at six at 12 and one. And that's the UCF year when UCF went 12 and 0 and you had no shot. You can say whatever you want to. None of them teams you mentioned was going to be BAM in 28. So you can say all that. But anyway, let me stop interrupting. Go ahead. Sorry. My apologies. <laughs> as I look at this, I look at it mostly as this thing is set up for the same three teams every year. The same way you have a problem with Ohio State this year is the same way people look at it in most years in that there have been 28 playoff bids given out in the history of the college football playoff. 16 of them have gone to the same three schools. And if you throw in Oklahoma, didn't make it this year, obviously, that'd be a total of 20 of the 28 bids have gone to four schools, right? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State make up 16 of the 28 bids. Now, they have also had a tremendous run in the last seven years. That's a big factor in this. But at some point, it's like, but they've played out this season. If it's, what's the value of the entire figuring out who the best team in the SEC is if it doesn't matter, if you don't have to win it or play in the final to get in? I also look at this as like, it's entirely going to never, it's never going to favor in its opening year, right? You had the Baylor TCU debacle where they both came in 11 and 1 and couldn't make it in as the fifth and sixth. <laughs> that was seed. the Big 12's fault, but I understand. <laughs> well, and so then the Big 12 adds a championship game almost immediately, and then you start seeing Oklahoma flooded in, right? Um, you could also look at, I mean, I've got a list of a handful here, but you go look at this year. I, th- I think it's funny too that this is the year that <laughs> we're bringing it up for this podcast. Obviously, it's not, it's not more than a year old, but this year, Notre Dame is that team. Whereas most years, Notre Dame is the team saying, no, 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 don't put two teams in the same conversation. Let us in, right? Because normally it's Notre Dame sitting there like, guys, we don't play in a conference, but we're really good. Look at our schedule. Look at this. Look at that. Right. And this year, Notre Dame was in the ACC for all kinds of COVID reasons, and they're like, "No, no, no, let us in." Even though we came in second in the conference, let's in. And so <laughs> this year, it's an ACC argument. But Big Blue Nation over there on your side of the field, I can see you right now talking about how this is traditionally like some everyone hates the SEC, bro. When it's really more logical than that, it's looking at it like, look, you had your shot, you took your turn, and in football, it it can be anyone on any given Saturday. It can be any that you. You cannot tell, guarantee me that that UCF team that went 12 and 0, like they fly national championship banners, like maybe they shouldn't, but they fly them in Central Florida <laughs> over this idea that that team should have had a shot to win it all that year, right? And so, yes, I think that fundamentally speaking, if you cannot win your conference, it does not make sense to me that you can then become the best team in the country if you weren't the best team in your conference. That is such a flawed argument, in my opinion. Now, let me get into the flaws, because obviously I'm on the other side of this. Let's start with the purpose for the college football playoff right the purpose of the college football playoff is not to pick the four teams that deserve it so when people think that that's the purpose it's not i have the college football playoff i have their website open okay the first word underneath how to select the four best teams to compete for the college football national championship the first words underneath that heading ranking football teams is an art not a science they're telling you right there that it's not about the teams who you might feel deserve and how do we point to teams that might deserve it we might look at conference championships right that might be an indicator of who deserves it but the college football playoff isn't about picking the four teams that deserve it and they tell you that the first heading literally says how to select the four best teams not the four most deserving the four best if we wanted a system where we pick the most deserving teams we actually had that and everyone hated it right the bcs computers picked 
the teams that were most deserving. And people felt that that left the art piece out of it. So now we go to artistic interpretation and now you want to interject the science piece. That's not what this system is designed to do. This system is designed to pick the four best teams. Just like in this year, we look at Notre Dame and we say they're one of the best teams. Now, let me just say this, Mr. Ainsworth. If Notre Dame is ever going to join a conference, like this year is the reason to prove to them that they probably should. But that's a thesis statement for another podcast. <laughs> um, this year, Notre Dame is one of the four best teams. And let me say, watching college football all year, I thoroughly believe that they're one of the four best teams. Even with the loss to Clemson. The deal is, is that Clemson is one of the four best teams too. They just happen to all play ACC games. And so to punish Notre Dame because they just happen to be in the same conference as another one of the four best teams, that's disingenuous. If this system is supposed to put the four best teams in the playoff. Now, we can go back to 2017 and Alabama's national championship team. Like, Alabama loses to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. They lose a rivalry game. And because they lose that game, they don't get to play in the SEC championship. But all year long, Alabama was one of the top-ranked teams. Alabama was in the college football playoff. They were the top number one in that college football playoff. And they lose the game to Auburn, a rival, in the Iron Bowl. And now that loss is supposed to make me say that they're not one of the four best teams. No, they're still one of the four best teams. Just like Georgia was one of the four best teams that year. Both of those teams deserve to be in. I don't care that Georgia won the conference title and beat Auburn next week. They're one of the four best teams, and Alabama's one of the four. Put them all in. Now, you're right in that as an SEC person, I think that the SEC tends to look at this and think if people are going to try to remove the SEC from the equation by not allowing two teams in, it feels anti-SEC. It's great that this year, now, it's going to hit the ACC as well. Because in the future now, I don't want to hear the ACC making the argument that you can't have two <laughs> teams from the same conference, right? And well, let me say this. Have, if yeah. it was the Big 12, I, like, I would have no problem putting Oklahoma and Texas in if they were two of the four best teams. But you got to be two of the four best. And again, the committee's job, the first words under the heading, how to select the four best teams. That's their job. Yeah, and it's the art, not science piece is wild because I don't know how art yields the same results. Three-fourths the same results, 16 of the 28 selections. What I, what I will sit here and say, though, is that if that loss at Auburn, right, number one Alabama, loses number six Auburn, 26 to 14 in that same 2017 year you're talking about, right, then Auburn gets to go play Georgia and then Auburn. Auburn loses to Georgia in the conference title game. And so Georgia moves on. Alabama gets a bye week that weekend and have to play or lose. And so then they get to go on, right? If that loss didn't mean anything, because then they essentially get a bye during championship week, who knows what they'd have done in the championship week, right? Hold on, I mean, that loss, no that loss did that. mean something, though, because that loss prevented Alabama from being the number one overall seed. That loss made Alabama the four seed. That loss meant that Alabama, in the first game, I believe, ends up playing Clemson. Am I wrong on that? I believe that that was their first game that year, because Clemson was the one seed and they were the four so what that loss meant was that they actually had a incredibly tough road because conceivably they would have ended up playing the four seed that year but instead they play clemson they beat clemson like you there's this consequence to the fact that they lost i mean the consequence to the fact they didn't have to play anyone the week after and so then they didn't have to risk losing the game after like everyone else like auburn did and so as i look at this i sit here and say that the issue at the bcs people had problems with the fact that there were only two teams right because you looked at it like when a season ends with three undefeated teams and only two are getting taken like when it was USC, Oklahoma, and LSU in 2004 or when it was Oklahoma, LSU, USC, one, two, three, and those reverse orders in 2003, right? Those are the years that people had problems was because it was like, how can you pick two out of three undefeated teams? Well, keep in it mind only that yielded. if you go back to 2003 though, you have to keep in mind that the Rose Bowl had different selection criteria, which is also part of the issue, right? That the Pac-12, which was the Pac-10 at that time, and the Big Ten essentially weren't a part of the BCS because even if they were the best, they went to the Rose Bowl. So if we 
we go all the way back there, there's other issues. But the issue, but you're taking the wrong issue with the BCS system in that it, it only gave us a two-team championship and that only yielded two teams in the top two from the same conference one time, right? Of the 16 times that that championship happened, that a BCS championship happened, only two teams from the same conference were in the finals just the one time. And so I think that the issue doesn't play itself out the same way if the same way that put Boise against Oklahoma or Utah against Alabama and other BCS bowl games, if those play out like playoff games and you have the Boise upsetting Oklahoma and you have Alabama getting upset by Utah, those teams then get to move on in a playoff bracket. So again, the issue at the BCS yeah, was that's not a, that's the a, science. So now, now you're having a different argument because now your argument is that we should have a playoff. And you know I feel that we should. But that's not the core of this argument. The and I'm saying we argument, currently have a playoff and it's flawed. No, that's we don't. We don't have we don't have a playoff in the sense that you're outlining because what you're saying is I want to take more teams and consider them as a part of the playoff. This playoff is a four-team playoff. And in a four-team playoff, it's not about deserving it because you won your conference. Now, if we want to expand the playoff and say we're going to take eight teams, including the Power Five conference winners, that's one thing. But that's that's what you're arguing for there. That's not what this playoff does. This playoff says we're going to take the four best teams. And it only looks at things like your conference championship when the teams are comparable. So basically, you can look at the teams and say they're not comparable. These teams are clearly better. And so you don't even have to look at conference championship, which is essentially what happened in 2017. They said that Alabama was clearly better. So we don't have to get into comparing championship. They're one of the best teams. I guess I'm not. I, I So but I don't no disagree with you. For, there's no opportunity for in 2017-18 for Central Florida to look better. They were undefeated in back-to-back years, Chaka. Like They did everything they could so do. So you think Alabama wouldn't have went undefeated against Central Florida's schedule? I'm saying that that's not what they scheduled. That's not, there's nothing Central Florida could have done to look better in those two there's years. There's nothing Alabama did that made them look worse than Central Florida either. So now when we say, oh, let's look at Central Florida because they went undefeated, you're telling me that Alabama essentially losing a rivalry game to Auburn should pull them from a national championship. Or you're saying to me that Notre Dame losing to Trevor Lawrence and Clemson after they beat them earlier in the year should pull them out of Well, they didn't beat Trevor playoff. Lawrence earlier in the year. Well, they beat Clemson. Well, Clemson's got a loss and they lost to Notre Dame. So now we can, we can listen, we can parse it as if DJ Uyagalele didn't throw for 300 yards in that game or as if he's not the five-star dude. Like, we can parse it if we want, but that's, to me, that doesn't get at whether or not Notre Dame is one of the five, one of the four best teams. Notre Dame is still one of the four best teams when you watch them, just like Alabama was that year. And again, until you change the system, you're supposed to have the four best. They're one of the best. That's it. I, that's, that's it. I sit there and watch the Cincinnati defense and like, you know what? That is a really strong defense that could do some damage against any of these top teams, right? I sit here and look at, you talk about BYU dropped the one to Coastal Carolina. And that's why they're not even arguing anymore. But that offense is putting up numbers that could compare with anyone. Like they were, we've said this as the whole year. That Absolutely. those teams will Take Ohio happen. State out. Because Ohio State, to me, is not one of the four best. That's what I would argue there. I'm not going to tell you take Notre Dame out. I'm going to tell you take Ohio State out. I don't think Ohio State's one of the four best. I actually think that Cincinnati might. Again, I do believe that fundamentally we believe the same thing. And that the issue is that you need a system that actually does both of these things. The issue is that we started with a system that pick, try to pick the most deserving teams and that was a problem because now you only get to two it only and picks two it's a, a problem, problem you're only picking only two. Pick two i agree so now we come to this system where it's art we're picking the four best teams and the issue there is in my opinion is that now you're leaving out the science component and there's nothing to say that the science component wouldn't have value so let's do both i agree do the 18 playoff take the 
conference champions of the Power Five would be the most deserving and then have three at largest selected by the committee, that would be the R. I'm fine with that. But if the system says the four best, then we got to take the four best. It don't matter what conference they're in. Well, again, I think that if you're going to say that Alabama is a best team in every year of the playoff thus far, regardless if they have a loss or not, then why are they playing all these games? Why'd they play a bunch of games in the COVID pandemic? Like we, they were putting this thing from the get go from the jump. And that is the same way it's been for three teams getting 16 in the last 28 picks. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. And it almost feels like it's not even a podcast if we don't end yelling at each other, right? So you get your last segment where we scream at each other. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Mr. Ainsworth, after I just yelled at you and told you you were wrong. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, you want to go ahead, give everyone your socials. Let's see who else wants to yell at you during the holiday season. <laughs> well, in that case, my socials are C-H-A-K. No. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Painsworth 512 That's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. I'll also respond to the show's Twitter page. That's at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S. Number two, all one word, all use dash B-A, and shock will use dash C-C, and we got Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. My social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. And a programming note, I will not be a part of the podcast next week. Mr. Ainsworth is working diligently to find a substitute teacher to come in so that we can still produce a podcast next week. So be on the lookout for that substitute teacher. Uh, we'll see how that goes. If he's better it's than me, I'm going to be surprise. so angry. I'm going to be so big angry. Um, <laughs> but friends, thank you for listening. Please go out, like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't funk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.